Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. For over 25 years, Pastors Larry and Tiz have led us on an incredible journey of standing with Israel. It has featured many prominent achievements and special partnerships. With the help of a multitude of Christian friends around the world who believe in Tikkun Olam, our ministry has been dedicated to uniting Christians and Jews, fulfilling Bible prophecy, teaching the church the value of learning our Jewish roots, and being a blessing to the Jewish people in tangible and practical ways. Through the generous support from Christians around the world, we've been able to contribute well over $6 million in charitable funding over the past five years to bless Israel and save Jewish lives. And what an impact it has made. 2022 has been extremely successful in that we have donated well over $1 million to date to support Project Aliyah and the urgent rescue operation in Ukraine and Ethiopia. Working with our good friends at Corinne Hayasod, Israel's preeminent worldwide fundraising organization, we've partnered together to bring home over 40,000 Olim. It's hard to put into words just how special this is, especially being given the opportunity to welcome these immigrants on your behalf at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. We've also been able to continue our sponsorship of a much-needed food distribution to thousands of Holocaust survivors through the nationwide Amagor Project and with Yadazer Lechaver in Haifa. These are vital charities that provide food, shelter, and other essential services for the most vulnerable of Israel's elderly. We are also providing funding for the renovation of outdated bomb shelters in Amagur facilities, as well as sponsoring vital therapeutic care for children at risk through Israel's Fund for Victims of Terror. Our charitable activities go on to include an amazing partnership with Magan Davida Dome, Israel's National Emergency Response Agency. To date, through our ambulance project, we have funded nine mobile ICU units, which are literally hospitals on wheels. Before being retired, each ambulance will make a total of 10,000 life-saving calls, many in response to horrifying terrorist attacks. And just recently, we added a second life-saving initiative, the funding of special defibrillator kiosks that are installed throughout Israel. Our partnership with the Israel Allies Foundation has proved to be invaluable in mobilizing faith-based support for Israel. We have helped create a global network of legislators advocating to safeguard the future of Israel. Together, we are fighting anti-Semitism, passing anti-BDS legislation both in America and in over 50 parliaments around the world. This high level of involvement has led to Pastor Larry receiving the prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award from the IAF and multiple selections to the prominent Top 50 Christian Leaders list that includes the world's most influential Christian leaders. At the annual Corinne Hayasod Conference in Jerusalem, Pastor Larry was honored to become the first ever recipient of the John Henry Patterson Guardian of Zion Award. This prestigious award was presented for the ongoing work of our ministry and our steadfast support and generosity to Israel 
and the Jewish people. Like the late Colonel Patterson, Pastor Larry is honored to serve as an ambassador for Corinne Hayesod, speaking at conferences and events around the world, encouraging the support of Israel to both Christian and Jewish leaders and business people. Our sincerest thanks to all of you who have faithfully stood with us as we stand with Israel. As we tear down the walls of division between Jews and Christians, and as we fulfill Bible prophecy, we are bringing peace, building bridges, achieving unity, and being a tremendous blessing to Israel in these very important and prophetic times. Give yourself a big hand because you're the one that's doing it. Amen. Um, just very quickly, we're going to, before we receive the offering this morning, um, give you an update on Tiz. Um, just to say real quick for anybody that doesn't know the story, about three and a half years ago, they diagnosed my grandson, uh, Lion, with incurable cancer. He'll turn five in, uh, in a couple weeks. God, a miracle. Uh, at the same time, Tiz, Tiz came up with um, ovarian cancer three and a half years ago. They gave her three months to live, and she has been cancer-free about... About two weeks ago, and Tiz is watching right now, about two weeks ago, you know, he goes again to get her test, and the test showed that, uh, the test showed that her body was full of cancer again, and uh, said she had double breast cancer and cancer all through her stomach and things like that. We went in, and they did more tests and found out she does not have breast cancer. There's no cancer there whatsoever. And, uh, and then on Monday, um, they, they had told us that this kind of cancer, if it came back, it comes back very, very, very aggressive. And so they went in and the doctor called me right as Tiz came out of surgery and said, listen, we took extra time. We looked everywhere because this, like I said, this kind of cancer comes back very aggressive. If it comes back, we found one little tumor that's a centimeter and a half. He said, we snipped it out and now tis is once again totally cancer free amen to god be the glory amen now keep keep her in prayer because um uh we're we're making the decision she's probably going to go through chemo again just to make sure that nothing comes back but the doctor said look how good he said three years ago your body was full of tumors and we found one little bitty little little bitty dot we got it out but why don't we why don't we get rid of it or make sure nothing comes back so keep her in prayer um we this is the way we figure let's just get it done four months because we got a lot of work to do to build the kingdom of god and stand with the nation of israel amen so everybody turn to the camera and say we love you tiz we love you we love you so she's 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 up we walked in after last time she had surgery was eight hours and we walked in and the doctor said it's going to be like she was run over by a train we walked into a room after the surgery on monday and she's laughing and joking and up walking around and everything so this is you know in ancient hebrew there's no word for Coincidence, not a coincidence that I'm giving you this miracle report at the same time that we have Sam and Shmulek and Ron Dermer here because God says, listen to this, God says, I will bless those who bless 
Israel. Can I have an amen? So when we receive the offering today, I want to ask you to think seriously, and not only you, but all of our friends and family that are watching with us around the world, think seriously about putting that that in the in God's bank of being a blessing to Israel. They said on the on the report that uh, we've given a million dollars this year. I think actually we're, we're right at a million and a half dollars so far this year. Not only with um, uh, Aliyah, but Holocaust and ambulances and feeding the children and stuff. I think we're right at a million and a half dollars. But we have work to do. There are three thousand. Um, Jewish people from Ethiopia that we are partnering with to make Aliyah. We, we pledged this year, we pledged a million dollars for Aliyah. But then the emergency came up and uh, Russia came into Ukraine and all of a sudden Sam and Shmulek called and Tiz and I were up till three in the morning saying we got to do something. And because of you, and I mean this, I know I, I, I get to get up and get the credit, but listen, I did not give a million dollars. I would like to, Lord, if you would see fit to. I, you did. And we stepped up and did, did that within three weeks. I think we gave, you gave, you gave a million dollars. But we have work to do with, with Ethiopia. Somebody asked me one time in Portland when we were passing there, Pastor, when would be an end to doing things and keep doing things? And I said, the, the second after the Messiah comes. But until then, we got work to do, amen? So think about giving today for uh, standing with the nation of Israel. It's offering time. God bless you for giving. God bless all of you for standing with Tiz and I and this ministry as we stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters around the world. Give the Lord a clap offering as the ushers come, amen. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. 
stay standing just for a moment, please? I want to introduce, of course, everybody knows Shmulek and Shmulek from Israel and Karen Hazel. We, we didn't have room to put Shmulek up there because he's so good looking, he makes the rest of us look bad. And so all of you know our good, good friend, Sam, that is the leader of Karen Hazel. And Sam, uh, we're like family. We're, I mean, we really are. We're like family. But I want you to give for the first time a very, very special welcome to the used to be the ambassador of Israel to the United States. He is a, a, a marvelous man. Would you please give a world welcome to Ambassador Ron Dermer? Amen. You may be seated. I want to welcome if we have uh, um, any guests from uh, brothers and sisters from the Jewish community, we are so honored that you are here with us. Uh, we heard there was uh, something going on in the community that, that, that conflicted. So uh, if you're here, please feel very, very welcome. We love you and we stand with you and we're honored to have you with us. Amen. All right. So I don't want to take a lot of time with, because we have such, such wonderful, wonderful uh, guests. First off, Sam, um, tell, tell everybody just very quickly, the main thing we support in Israel is Karen Hezot. And when we meet with pastors and, and Christians, they say, you know, how do we support Israel? Well, uh, our answer is, Get, get involved with Karen Hazelt. In fact, we're looking at starting a, 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 a union of pastors that we can together stand and support Karen Hazelt. Explain a little bit about Karen Hazelt. Thank you, Pastor Larry. First of all, good morning, New Beginnings Church. Larry Huck Ministries, I am so excited to be back as pastor and together with Shmulek, my colleague. We really do feel at home here and absolutely feel like family. And uh, it's always exciting to come back, and especially to be here with Ambassador Ron Dermer, his brother David, who's here. And I do want to acknowledge and mention we have with us uh, from Mexico City, Daniel Liverant and Mark Liverant. <laughs> These are welcome, long-time, long-time Karen Aisod leaders, former chairman of the Board of Trustees, and continued to be leaders and supporters. And we're so excited to be here. I, I just want to start, and I know this is on behalf of Shmulek and the Ambassador David and all of Karen Aisod around the world. You know, we're in 45 countries, 60 campaigns. I want to start by sending our prayers and best wishes to Pastor Tiz. And Pastor Tiz, I'm sending you a hug and a kiss through the camera. We, we prayed for you in synagogue over Shabbat, and we continue to pray for your good health and speedy recovery, and we know that you will get strong as soon as possible. We're all with you praying and, and wishing you good health. Amen. Amen. Pastor Larry, to your question, we're, we're blessed to have the relationship with you and, and New Beginnings Church for several years already. Karen Ayesod, as you mentioned, is one of the national institutions of the state of Israel. We were established over 100 years ago. Of course, it goes back thousands of years ago from the promise of God to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in the establishing of the modern state of Israel, as you mentioned earlier, we 
were formed in order to be the official fundraising arm of the Zionist enterprise in helping to establish the modern state of Israel. And so your help and your support and really becoming family has been uh, a crucial part of the work that we've done. And you mentioned earlier just the ongoing support of the few years, but of the last few years. But when the, the war broke out a few months ago, and we reached, we reached out to you all, and we ran this emergency campaign, it's really unbelievable how you've all stepped up to help. And I want you to know, you saw some of the videos. We were able, together with Pastor Larry and Pastor Scott, was there a few months ago to receive a plane full of Olim, new immigrants who were really refugees from Ukraine getting off the plane. And with your help, in the last few months, we've, we've been able to bring now, it's close to 40,000 Olim. 40,000 just from Ukraine and Russia. A lot of them are from Russia as well. And just to give you some perspective, in a, before the war, in a normal year, Aliyah from those few countries was under 10,000. So here we're talking about wow. 40,000, wow. under 10,000 in the span of 12 months. Here we're talking about uh, close to 40,000 now just in the six months or so. And by the end of 2022, we will be at total Aliyah for the year worldwide of about 60,000. Wow. When, when in a normal year, it's about 30 to 35. So when we talk about partnering with you to fulfill Bible prophecy, this is what it's all about. You know, um, something I, the, our church, uh, we've talked a little bit about, but working with Christians with Karen Hezot is really new. It really started with Josh Reinstein introducing us to Moody, and then as Moody stepped down, you took over. Um, maybe address that, because that ties in with uh, the honor that you guys gave us with the Patterson Award. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <coughs> I know the ambassador will talk a little bit more about Christian-Jewish relations, but we are... Uh, this is something that Karen Isod's been doing for years, but certainly just in the last couple of years, and especially in the relationship with you, it's really uh, gained significant momentum, and it's been a more important part of the work that we do. And it's not just about the dollars and cents, but it's about the, the solidarity, the standing together, and the support, and, and the fellowship. And it was our really privilege to be able, and I know that you, you always say it, and it's true, that, uh, how do you say it, you're just the eye candy, and <laughs> that, uh, that you receive on behalf of, uh, of everyone here at New Beginnings right. and, and Larry Huck Ministries. But we were really, as Karen Aisod, so proud to give you the honor, and we'll show maybe the video, uh, just a few months ago in July in our Knesset in Israel, which is our parliament, we were able to give you the John, very special John Henry Patterson Award. And for those of you that are, yeah, the, you all deserve it. Amen. And we can talk a little bit more about John Henry Patterson and the connection also to the Netanyahu family, which I know Ambassador we, can talk we about. We want show the video there, guys. Thank you. So this was just this past July, a few months ago. There it is. Oh, maybe it's on the side, yeah. selected Pastor Larry as the recipient of this inaugural award in recognition of his deep 
appreciation for his exemplary leadership and his unwavering commitment to Karen Aisod and the Jewish people. You have inspired your community to be champions of hope and strength for the Jewish people and fulfill Bible prophecy through the sacred work on behalf of the Jewish people in Israel. It's therefore my absolute honor to present to my dear friend, Pastor Larry Huck, the award this evening. For so many years, the Christian church has been wrong about Israel, and they've been wrong about the Jewish people. I may be here receiving this award, and I am so humbled and so grateful but I want you to know there is a move around the world of Christians that are saying, we will stand with Israel and we will stand with the Jewish people around the world whenever we can. I had, I had nothing to wear for uh, five days until Shmulek found me a place to get a suit. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to the award banquet in my sweats. That's what I flew over in. Um, but uh, thank goodness they didn't tell us that the folks that were there at the banquet, the, our Jewish brothers and sisters, weren't necessarily real excited about a Gentile getting this award. But after we, we got to speak and meet with people, we've gotten, we still are getting invites from all over the world to come and speak and stand with the Jewish people. And so that's, right. that's to your honor. Amen. I want to get right over to Ambassador Dermer before we do that. And maybe you guys talk about how you guys know each other. I want you to welcome Ambassador Dermer's brother, David, who was two-time mayor of Miami. We're so honored to have him with us. We're going to be together in Miami in December, I think. Tell us about your relationship. So I'll tell you, and then I'll formally introduce the ambassador, and then we'll, we'll you'll, I know you'll have, you have questions for the ambassador, and we'll gauge in a conversation. So yes, welcome to, to David, the former mayor of Miami Beach. So Ron and I actually grew up together in, in Miami Beach. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a year younger, still a year younger than Ron. <laughs> um, and so we literally know each other for about 50 years or so. Uh, our fathers, our, our late fathers were very good friends, and it, it, it's really an interesting story. And Ron's always been a, a mentor to me, whether it was on the basketball court, whether it was when I served as an Israeli diplomat, uh, and in life in general. So Ambassador Dermer, born and raised in Miami Beach, he earned a degree in finance and management from the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, and also a degree in philosophy uh, from Oxford. For three years, he was a columnist, a journalist for the Jerusalem Post. And in 2004, he co-authored a book with Natan Sharansky. I don't know if everybody's familiar with who Natan Sharansky is. Maybe, maybe Ron will elaborate. He's really a... Jewish hero, he was, was referred to as a refusenik, a, a dissident who was unable to leave former Soviet Union to move to Israel. He spent about nine years, I believe, in jail in Siberia in very harsh conditions and was really a symbol for, for freedom. And, and, and Iran and, and Natan Sharansky became very close. They co-authored a book called The Case for Democracy, which has been translated into some ten languages. And then from... 
2005 to 2008, Ron served as the uh, as Israel's Minister of Economic Affairs or Economic Attaché in Washington D.C., which is a diplomatic posting uh, at the level of a minister. And when he returned to Israel, he served from 2009 to 2013 as Senior Policy Advisor to then Prime Minister Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu. And then from 2013 to 2021, he served as our Israeli ambassador to the United States in Washington, um, about seven and a half years in total, one of the longest serving. And uh, I'll, maybe I'll let Ron tell you about what he's doing today. But uh, it's fantastic to have both my childhood friend, my colleague, and, uh, and uh, one of the greatest leaders that we've had. Amen. Thank you. Is this thing working? Yeah. You can hear me in the back of the room. Can I get a hand? Because I'm from Miami Beach. First thing we ask is, can you hear me in the back of the room? <laughs> you can hear me in the back of the room. So first of all, I want to thank you for opening this uh, beautiful church and opening your hearts to the state of Israel. I want to thank you, Pastor, for your leadership. Uh, and I can just tell you, it's great to be in another Lone Star State. I left Jerusalem on Friday morning, and now I'm here in another Lone Star State Amen. in Texas among friends. Uh, I was, as uh, Sammy said, born and raised in, uh, in Miami Beach uh, and moved to Israel when I was 25, and I've had the opportunity to serve the state of Israel uh, in different capacities for a long time now, about 25 years in one capacity or another, and I've been with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, the former prime minister. I can be politically incorrect and say I hope the future prime minister. Uh, we for about. I heard you're very politically correct church, Pastor. Yes. That's what they all tell me. So I've served with him, and I've been privileged to do that. And, and hopefully we have uh, made a lot of progress in a lot of areas, kept Israel very strong. Uh, and the stronger Israel is, uh, the greater the chances we'll be at peace with our neighbors. That's right. Uh, and the more that we'll bring other countries to recognize the importance of Israel in the world. And I know you recognize that right here at New Beginnings Church. But there's a lot of work, as the pastor said, a lot of work to do. Amen. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. We are, we are so honored to have you. Just to be politically incorrect, I love Prime Minister Netanyahu. I, I told some folks that maybe it was Sam and I talking that when B.B. walks in the room, it feels like a leader has walked in the room, and it just feels to me that dad's going to make everything okay. So we're, we're, pray, we're praying for the elections. And, you know, it's not a coincidence. I, I'm sure you know um, we're, we have very strong support with uh, the Brazilian churches from Brazil. We have Brazilians in our church, and the election in Israel's is November. Um, Brazil's elections are in November, and our midterms are in November, and we feel like these three countries must have God move on us to give us that strength that we need. And so we love Bibi. Um, while the question is what the Cowboys' record will be in November. Uh, you, you know, that's the question. Our God, our God can heal. Wait, cancer, everybody's a Cowboys but... fan, right? No. They're not cowboys. Our, our God can heal cancer. I'm not sure about the cowboys. There are limits to even divine power. That's right. So, while you were ambassador, um, we moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Correct. Major, major issue. Correct. And very grateful for that historic decision uh, by President Trump. I told him 
I told President Trump before that decision, if you think about, you know, we're all focused on the events that you see every day in the news or you watch on television. History tends to make all of those issues irrelevant. The things that are important to us in 20 years, in 40 years, 60 years, 100 years, 200 years. Think about what we remember from 200 years ago. Think about how many things we remember from a president 100 years ago. Very few. But Donald Trump will be remembered forever because of the decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And I know that. And I said this to President Trump. I said, the Jewish people remember Cyrus. 2,500 years ago, the leader of Persia, King Cyrus, allowed the Jewish people to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Brilliant. And it is the last passage of Tanakh, of the Jewish scriptures. The last passage you have is he, he hears the word of the Lord. And he allows the Jewish people to rebuild it. Now, the Jews remember Cyrus. I don't know if the Persians remember Cyrus. But the Jews remember Cyrus. And here's the thing. If you know your Bible, and I know the pastor knows his Bible, we have been given a promise, the Jewish people, to be an right. eternal nation. That's right. So those who stand with Israel will be remembered by an eternal nation. And I told President Trump, this decision will never be forgotten by the Jewish people. Amen. I, I, I was there for the ceremony, and I remember riding the bus. You know, everything was secure and everything. Was, and the Jewish people standing on the streets, waving flags. It brought, it brought us to tears. And, and I hope that the America, the world realizes what an important decision this I got, is. I got to tell you a story, and I got to tell your congregation yeah. a story about that weekend. So... That opening of the embassy was set on the exact day where 70 years before Israel declared its independence. It was May 14th, 2018, and that was 70 years from May 14th, 1948. I had an event in Washington that I was hosting, also that was linked to that day, our annual Independence Day event. So I was not there on that ceremony, that historic wow. ceremony, but I was there the previous weekend. How many of you have been to Israel, by the way? Show of hands. Okay, good, good amount. So I was there, and on that Saturday before, it happened on a Monday. You remember that May 14th yes. that year. So that Saturday before, there was a sense of euphoria in the city that I had never experienced. I've been in uh, Israel for 25 years. The whole country seemed to be a foot taller. Yeah. And it was very, very powerful. So my problem is I kind of had this ominous feeling that something bad was going to happen. Things are too good. Everything seemed to be going well. And I remember being in the King David Hotel. And I saw at the breakfast uh, buffet, I saw Pastor John Hagee was there, who's I know from another Texas uh, city in San Antonio. And he was there and he gave a benediction at the event. Yep. And I walked over to Pastor Hagee. And I said, Pastor, I got to ask you a question. Is it just with Jews that when things are going so well that you think <laughs> something bad's going to happen? Or is this a universal thing? And he said, son, it's just Jews. <laughs> so we got to keep that good moving That's over right. and over That's and over. That's right. Something else that happened while you were ambassador, 
Um, and by the way, it was that day that we were having dinner with some members of government from Washington, D.C. and members of government from the Knesset. We were down on Ben Uta Street having a bite when we, uh, a lady called me and said, I got a word for you. The lion will roar from, Jude, from Israel. I told you guys, this is back, Sam knows it. And that two minutes later, we're thinking the lion of Judah. Two minutes later, we get a call from my son, Luke, that our grandson, Lion, was going to the hospital. And that's when we found out that he had incurable cancer. But the lion roared from Jerusalem because God said, I will bless those who bless Israel. So... That's a strong name, Lion. That's, that's a right. strong name. I have a Judah, which is yeah. a, one of my, I have four sons and a daughter, and that's a strong name. So good for you for naming Amen. that, and may he always live up to that name. The other thing that happened, one of the other things that happened, Ron, is uh, the recognizing the Golan Heights right. as being sovereignty under. And by the way, I was invited to the White House for a consul with Jason Greenblatt. And we're talking, and he said, so we're going to do this. And I said, why don't we, get, why don't we announce uh, giving Israel sovereign rights over the Golan Heights? And right then, the president called, and, or his, sec his assistant came and said, the president wants to So he said, no land for peace? I said, no land for peace. Golan Heights. And he goes, okay. And then two days later, how important, we hear this, but how important is it that Israel has sovereign rights over the Golan Heights? Uh, it's very important because the Golan Heights had been used in the past to launch attacks against Israel. It's strategic high ground uh, in the northern part of Israel. And we have in, uh, in the Syrian regime a, a very dangerous uh, and evil regime, frankly, that's responsible for the killing of hundreds of thousands of, uh, of its own people. And Iran is trying to use Syria, Iran that openly calls and actively works to destroy Israel. Right. They openly call for the destruction of Israel. And we know what's happened to empires throughout history who openly called and worked to destroy That's right. Israel. That's right. So they're going to be gone. The only question is how quickly they're going to be gone. Yeah. And I hope it's very quickly. Amen. But uh, they're trying to establish a beachhead against Israel and to fight Israel from Syria. And so that's why the strategic high ground of the Golan Heights should never be given up. And that's why it was such a blessing when President Trump recognized Israeli sovereignty. We're there, and we're not going down from those heights That's again. That's right. I don't have this in my notes, but as you're talking about Syria, how many missiles do we know that are in Syria with pointed towards Israel? Well, in Lebanon, which is Lebanon, another beachhead yeah, that Iran has against Israel, so in the northern part of Israel, on the western side, right north of Israel is Lebanon, and Iran has a terror proxy there named Hezbollah that is more powerful than all but eight or nine armies in the world, the armaments that they have. And they've got well over 100,000, about 150,000 rockets pointed at Israel. And many of them are very dangerous rockets, including some that are precision guided so that they can land within about five meters of a target. And Israel is a very tiny country. That's one thing people don't understand when you think about Israel, you think about a country. If you're in America and you're in Texas, Right? Yeah. The average American, they did a poll about 20 years ago, thinks that Israel is the size of Texas. Well, Israel is the size of New Jersey. America is 500 times the size of Israel. Wow. So a lot of these problems with missiles in a place like America would be a problem for border communities. You know, El Paso or San Diego or something or some places on your northern border. It wouldn't 
actually affect the security or even the survival of your country because you're a big country. Now, I know most people think the biggest problem in the Middle East is that Israel's too big. But 95% of our security problem is that we're so tiny. Yeah. And so we've got this power to our north that has 150,000 rockets pointed at us. Uh, and Iran is trying to create a second front against us from Syria, and we're not going to allow that to happen, Amen. which is why we have taken action, hundreds of actions, including very recently, um, to prevent right. Iran from establishing that military uh, beachhead against Israel from Syria. And we're going to continue to do whatever we have to do to defend ourselves. Amen. Just to put it in perspective, if they shot a missile from Lebanon or Syria, you can stand in, I've, uh, at the hospital that we help support in Haifa. You can see those countries. If they shot a missile, how long does it take for that missile to get to Israel? To get to Israel, a few seconds. Yeah. But if, if a plane is flying over Israel, you fly over Israel in two minutes. Just understand. That's why we always have to be ready. We always have to be on guard because we don't have the depth. We don't have the strategic Very depth. Tiny. Another reason why you need those Golan Heights. We held the Golan Heights, and in 1973, Syria did a surprise attack on the holiest day of our uh, year on Yom Kippur. So the Syrians attacked us and the Egyptians attacked us in the Sinai. The Syrians attacked us on the Golan Heights and they moved in. And now we did not have those buffers. Israel may not be around. That's right. So we need those strategic buffers in order to protect ourselves. We're very tiny. We don't need to get any smaller. What has to happen is our neighbors have to be a little more peaceful. Yeah. That's the best Amen. way to deal with the problem. Which is, which is why it's so important that we have politicians in America that are standing with Israel, that are supporting Israel, and... Well, Pastor, I, I've said it for many years, the backbone of Israel's support in the world is the United States of America. The backbone of that backbone are the devout Christians in America. Because each political leader in America has a constituency. And when you care about Israel, they'll care about that's Israel. That's right. Amen. That's right. And that's why we've been very blessed to see this shift in the relationship between Christians and Jews. The pastor mentioned it when we were talking earlier. You know, a lot of people think we've always had this tremendous relationship, right. and it's not the case. No. For about 1,800 years, the relationship between Christians and Jews was marked by enmity. There was this replacement theory that says, theology. you know, the Jews have no place in history right. anymore. Right. It's, it's Christianity has replaced it. And that fueled a lot of anti-Semitism for many years. There were different reasons behind it. But a few decades ago, and it's really something only a few decades, about 1,800 years of enmity, and then for a few decades we've had friendship. And that re required certain people, leaders, courageous leaders like the pastor and other pastors, a handful. Listen, Jesus had only 12, yeah. right? right? Doesn't take that many, but you have to actually be the first yeah. ones who decided they're going to stand with Israel. And then now you see the changing of the tide. Yeah. And it's very, very powerful to support throughout the country. So that has only, this period from enmity to friendship, we've had this for four or five decades. Now we're moving into a different period. Right. And that's from friendship to partnership. Right. And what you've seen in the last few years, and I saw this as ambassador, that the Christian communities throughout this country would stand with Israel on issue after issue. 
in calling for the United States to withdraw, first to reject, and then to withdraw from the nuclear deal with Iran, right. to the decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Look, when Donald Trump went around in 2016 on those campaign rallies around the country, and he spoke to tens of thousands of people, he would say the word Jerusalem, and everyone would get up and would applaud. And so President Trump knew that people right. supported it, and he didn't say it at a Hadassah convention. He yeah. was saying this in front of devout Christians right. throughout the country, yeah. so he knew that the heartland of America supported this. And now, one of the issues that I think is so important, and I know you're doing this, Pastor, and some other visionary pastors are doing this as well, is to stand with Israel against the new anti-Semitism, which is the effort to boycott, divest, and sanction right. Israel. Right. You have to push back against it. This is an attempt to single out Israel, to treat it unlike any other country in the world, and it's really, frankly, wild and shameful. Israel is the only place in the Middle East that has a growing and thriving Christian community. And for church groups, and there are some church groups, not here in Dallas, and I don't think in Texas, but there are church groups in this country that call to divest from Israel. And that is a moral outrage. A hundred years ago, Christians were 20% of the Middle East. Now they're 4% and it's dropping. And you have Christian communities that have been decimated. You have Christians that have been decapitated because yeah. of their beliefs. That's right. And the one country that is standing up to this force, the one country that has a growing and thriving Christian population, five times what it is in 1948, is the state of Israel. Amen. And what I think is so important is that the people who should lead the effort against this modern form of anti-Semitism should be the Christians. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is the best way to build this partnership and to move it to the next level. And Amen. I'm very excited about it. I, have only seen, I, on, I think we've only seen the beginning of the potential here. Yes. So it's important to continue that work, as you say. And the pastor's right. Look, the day after the Messiah comes, and I told the, the pastor before, I said, when the Messiah comes, we just ask one question. Were you here before? <laughs> That's it. That's right. If you were here before, you're right. right. If you're not here before, we're right. In the meantime, let's work together right. to get to that day. Yeah. And the day after, then we can rest. That's right. And, and uh, uh, you know, just to remind everybody, because it, it, it's so important that we understand, the, it, it's important for us as Christians to be vocal about this to not be in the closet and to say we are standing with Israel, we are here to defeat anti-Semitism. It wasn't that many years ago when uh, we first came back from Israel and said, I said to the church, we're important then, we've been wrong. We are to stand with Israel, we are grafted into Israel, they are our brothers and sisters, we are to support them and every, and a big part of my church got up and walked out because we didn't know what the Bible said, we only knew what denomination said. And that is all being reversed right now in where we're seeing a tsunami of Christians saying, you know what, we, I, I, you know, that lady from Thailand, Thailand there, just has invited us to come over and speak to their nation about standing with the nation of Israel. I, I wanna talk about the Abraham Accord in a minute, but because we're here, um, it seems so foreign to us, Ron, to see on the news or hear about the rise of anti-Semitism. Uh, 
And we talked a little bit that, about this in the back, and you gave a great answer. Why is there anti-Semitism? Two-part question. And why is after we look at the Holocaust, we would think never again, but we're seeing the rise of anti-Semitism again. Where, did, where does anti-Semitism come from? And why are we seeing a rise in it? I guess a three-part question, and what do we do about it? It's a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a big topic. But I'll explain to you first um, why you see it return. Because it really never went away. I think the Holocaust has, in a certain a sense, distorted the world's view of Jewish history, and even the Jews' view of our own history, because it is such a blinding event. You know, in Holocaust, six million Jews were murdered. There were 18 million Jews before the Holocaust. There were 12 million after. So it's a third of the Jewish people were wiped out in a few years because of the Holocaust. Now, to put that in American terms, that's the equivalent of over 100 million Americans. Now, if you can't wrap your mind around 100 million Americans, imagine a 9-11 every day for a century. That's what the Holocaust did wow. to the Jewish people. Wow. So after that happened, you had a period where it was politically incorrect in Western society. The Soviet Union did it, the Arab world and the Muslim world did it, but in Western society, the United States and Europe, you couldn't go after Jews in that same way. But people forget because of the Holocaust, it is this blinding event that people forget all the anti-Semitism that came before. The Holocaust is like a sun in the sky right. that blocks out all the stars. You know, the stars are out there in the day, you just can't see them. So Hitler and the Holocaust blocks out all the anti-Semitism that came before. But century after century after century after century, you had anti-Semitism. Right. And you had 100,000 Jews being killed, or 300,000 Jews being killed. You had the Crusades where you had so many thousands, tens of thousands of Jews being killed. You had Jews who were kicked out of England, and you had Jews kicked out of France, and kicked out of Spain, and kicked out of Portugal, and kicked out of places in Germany, and you had persecutions and pogroms. And this has been happening throughout history. So a lot of people thought after the Holocaust that there was going to a new normal. And really, that was the aberration. And what you have is a return to the old yeah. anti-Semitism, but it's in a new form now because now they go less after the Jewish people or they're doing a little bit of that anyway, and they do go more after the one and only Jewish state. They, so now they treat the so, Jewish state me, to a so different I, standard. I think that's important that you say that again, Ron, because the new anti-Semitism is anti-Israel. Right. We make it look political. Because Israel has become for people the world's Jew, right. for better or for worse, and when you see, let's say, Israel defend itself against attacks by a bunch of terrorists, and then you see Jews being attacked around the world because Israel is defending itself. Israel is held to a different standard. That was the mark of anti-Semitism. Right. You treat the Jews differently than you treat other people, so now you're going to treat the state of Israel differently. And there's a great irony here, Pastor. 120 years ago, Herzl envisioned the Jewish state. Now, why did Herzl need, why did he think there was a need for a Jewish state? What fired him was anti-Semitism. This is 50 years before the Holocaust because right. he went to a trial in France called the Dreyfus Trial. Dreyfus. And he saw that France, who was supposed to be an enlightened, sophisticated country, all of a sudden, everything degenerates into mob anti-Semitism. And Herzl understood this assimilation into these societies is not gonna solve the problem of anti-Semitism. We need a state of our own. This is 50 years before the Holocaust. And he thought 
that if the Jews had a state of their own, they would be treated like other peoples because his understanding was the Jews were a minority everywhere, a majority nowhere. So if we just were a majority in one country, we would be treated like the other countries of the earth. Now look 120 years yeah. later. You probably hear this. You know what they say? You know why there's anti-Semitism? It's because of the state of Israel, yeah, right? right? So in Herzl's time, they said right. the reason why there's anti-Semitism is that the Jews don't have a state. Now they say the reason why there's anti-Semitism is the Jews do have a state. Yeah. Then they said Jews go to Palestine. Now they say Jews get out of Palestine. The truth is Israel's not the cause or the cure for anti-Semitism. It has not ended hatred towards the Jewish people. But Israel gave the Jewish people something that we did not have for 2,000 years, the power to fight back. Come on. Come on. And in having that power, we are blessed that we do not stand alone. We will stand even if we have to stand alone, but we know we're not alone because there are people like you. There are people watching at home. There are people throughout this great country and in many places around the world who stand with Israel. And that is a big change in the fortunes of the Jewish people. Now to your first part, 1B of your first question. Yeah. Why is there anti-Semitism? So there's a lot of theories about it. For me, it's because the Jews have a certain mission. And we were given a mission yeah. in your book. Yeah. And we were supposed to bring sanctity into the world. And there are people that don't want that in this right. world. Hitler, the greatest anti-Semite in history, said the Jews have inflicted two great wounds on humanity, circumcision on its body and the conscience on its soul. Yeah. Hitler did not want a world where there was a conscience. And that's the right. Jews have been the representative of that conscience in the world. And that's why dictators and the most evil regimes in history have all gone after the Jews. Yeah. But guess what? I'm the ambassador of Israel in Washington seven and a half years. I met 190 ambassadors or so. I never met the ambassador of Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. That's right. I never met That's the right. ambassador of Imperial Rome. That's right. That's right. I never met the ambassador of the Thousand Year Reich, but there is an ambassador of Israel. Come on. Come on. Well put. Well put. What, uh, Something that we hear about all the time. A lot of people take credit. I'm, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to hopefully embarrass you. A lot of people take credit for the Abraham Accord. But this is the guy who is responsible. Am I, am I okay to say that? Is, this is the guy that's responsible for the Abraham Accord. Um, explain briefly what the Abraham Accord is and why it is so life-changing, world-changing. Well, well this is the guy. Thanks, this thanks the guy. for the credit. There were a lot of people involved, and I, right. and by the way, I couldn't do anything that I was doing in Washington without the support of my prime minister, yes, Benjamin Netanyahu. Yes, yes. So Netanyahu actually was the person who had the vision that we could actually achieve this peace with the Arabs, and I was blessed to serve in Washington in this critical period. There is a sea change that has happened in the Middle East. There's a sea change. And it's because the Arab countries, it's not among the Palestinians, unfortunately. That has not happened yet. They refuse to recognize the legitimacy of a nation state for the Jewish people in any boundary. The way the Palestinians look at us is they basically think we stole their house. They think the Jewish people stole their house. Now, why are we called Jews? 
because we are the people of Judea. Judea. Right? That's right. There is no Palestine in the Bible. No. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Palestine was a word that the Romans yeah. gave in the second century because the Jews kept revolting against Rome because we wanted to kick them out. The Jews in Judea were revolting against Rome. Exactly right. And the Romans, this was like a bad movie for them already. They said, enough with these Jews. We're going to change the name. That's what the idea was. And they took the name Philistine. Now, the ancient languages, there was no Vanna White in antiquity, so there were no vowels. No vowels. The Philistine... They took that word in the Bible, which is a completely different people. They're not an Arab people. And then they use that modern tent, because in Latin also, no vowels. So if you take Palestine, Philistine, it's the same word. That's how it became Palestine in the second century. The Romans called it Palestine because they said, let's wipe out Judea so we can disconnect the Jewish people from their land. That was the whole idea behind it. They also renamed Jerusalem, those of you who know, Iola Capitolina. But that doesn't roll off the tongue, so that didn't <laughs> stick. But Palestine. Yeah. So they say that we stole their house. Now, we didn't steal their house. They look at us as we're a colonial power. You know, these Jews came from Europe, and they came from the United States, and they came from here, and they came from there. Look. The land of Israel is where the patriarchs of the Jewish people prayed. It's where the prophets of Israel preached. It's where the kings of Israel ruled. When a Jew comes to Israel, he is coming home. This is not for us, you know, the British in India or the French in Algeria. Right. This is our ancestral homeland. Right. And there is no people today who are on the same land that they were 3,000 years ago, speaking the same language, practicing the same faith, there is no other people in the world, not even the Chinese and the Indians, like there is for the Jews. So the whole narrative of the Palestinians is based on a denial of the Jewish connection to Israel, and I hope one day they reject that and they embrace the truth. Now, is that possible? Well, we had 1,800 years of this replacement theology, right. and guess what? A few people changed it. It is possible. And my confidence is because it is true. It is sitting Absolutely. on truth. And hopefully there will be Palestinian leaders who will come forward, who will say, guess what? The Jews have a right to be here. They're not just here by might. They have a right to be here. The second that happens, we'll be able to negotiate peace. What has happened in the Arab world, and I know this is a short answer to a long question, but what <laughs> has happened in the Arab world is there's been a sea change in terms of the acceptance of Israel less because of the right of the Jews to the land and more because they understand their own interests are connected with Israel. Right. Why? First, because of their security. You know, they see the rise of Iran and how dangerous Iran is to them. They see the rise of ISIS, these fanatics running around decapitating people. Al-Qaeda was 1.0, ISIS is 2.0, there'll be a 3.0. And these regimes, these Arab governments, they're worried about it. And then they saw something else. They see an Iranian tiger, they see an ISIS leopard, and then the 800-pound gorilla, American gorilla, is leaving the building. You pulled your military back. And you know, there is one thing that connects President Obama and President Trump and President Biden that don't want to be in the same sentence with one another. None of them are looking to send troops to the Middle East. Yeah. So because you left, the Arabs look around and they say, wait a second, we got this Iranian tiger, this ISIS leopard, the 800-pound gorilla just left. Hey, there's a 200-pound gorilla with a keeper on. Let's work with them. Let's work with them. So first, their 
security interests are tied to a better relationship with Israel. And the other thing is technology. Israel, as you've seen when you've been in the country, Israel is a global technological power now in many areas. Amazing. And Amazing. it is, there's two great centers of innovation in the world. The first is to the west of here in Silicon Valley. The second is to your east, Silicon Wadi. It is in Israel. That is yeah. the second great right. center of innovation. Right. And you see that in agriculture technology and water technology that is feeding the world's poor, that is helping quench the world's thirst, but also in the technologies in the future, in cyber. Israel, as you know, is 9 million people. We're one-tenth of 1% 1 of the world's population. But we account for 20% of global investment in cyber. So Israel's punching 200 times above its weight. And I know you have some good boxers in Texas. But when you go 200, pound, yeah. 200 times above your weight, yeah. that's pretty significant. Yeah. And in autonomous vehicles, yeah. anyone get here by ways? You know, Israeli <laughs> yeah, that's technology. Right. That's right. And in artificial intelligence, the leading powers in the world that are emerging... Russia, China, U.S., Israel. And guess what? Russia and China, they're not your friends. That's right. But Israel That's is, right. and Israel's your ally. That's right. So the countries in the region see, hey, for our security and our prosperity, we should be in alliance with Israel. But there was a problem. You know what the problem was? They were poisoning their populations for 70 years against Israel with all sorts of nonsense. Right. So how do they turn on a dime? And the diplomacy, the difficult part, is to figure out what can be done to help them move into a different relationship. And here, frankly, we needed American leadership. We needed a US leader who would come and confront Iran and not appease Iran. Because when you confront Iran, you're confronting their worst enemy. And then they can stand with you and stand with Israel. Right. We needed a, a, a leader to embrace Israel to recognize Jerusalem, to recognize sovereignty on Amen. the Golan Heights. And Amen. we needed a leader also and an administration that would stop giving the Palestinians who don't want to make peace with us, and I say that unfortunately, I hope it changes, to not give them a veto over the Middle East. And we were very blessed that we had such an administration. And that's why after 72 years of only two peace agreements in five months, in 2020, we were able to make four peace agreements, and I hope we will continue on that path. Yes. Amen. Amen. Can you, can you explain when we hear about the Iran deal that President Trump backed away? And that's a three-hour question, but when we, President Trump backed away from the deal with Iran, and this uh, present administration looks like it's heading towards a deal. Can you explain that to people, why we need to not make this deal with Iran? Yeah. Well, first of all, Israel thinks this is a terrible thing to do. We said it in 2015, and we're saying it now. And who do, what do we know? We just live there, right? So it's the fact the British, the French, the Germans, they may all support it, but they don't live there. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to tell the British and the French and the Germans what to do in Europe. Stop telling Israel Come what on. to do in the Middle East. Come on. It's not just Israel that says that it's terrible. It's our Arab neighbors that say that it's terrible. And why is it terrible? Because the deal doesn't block Iran's path to the bomb. It paves it. Believe me, if there was a deal that would actually prevent Iran from ever becoming a nuclear state... We would be the first country to support it. I would have gone house to house, not house member to house member, house to house, church to church, to get support Amen. for that deal. 
the reason why we didn't do it is because this deal doesn't do it. All it does is paves Iran's path to a nuclear arsenal with gold, with hundreds of billions of dollars. Somebody told me many years ago, he says, you know what this deal does? It sacrifices the future for the present because it buys you a few years and then in 10 years it allows them to do everything. I said, no, it doesn't do that. In the present, it will create a terror superpower yes. in Iran by having hundreds of billions of dollars flow into their coffers. And believe me, the Iranians are not going to establish a GI Bill for returning members of the Revolutionary Guard. Right. They're going to use it to fuel their war machine in Syria, right. in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Gaza. And tomorrow, it, it gives them a glide path to nuclear weapons. They won't have to sneak in or break into nuclear weapons. They'll just walk in. And yeah. understand something. Our world has been blessed for 77 years since Hiroshima and Nagasaki that nuclear weapons were not used. Do not bet the future on the world that a bunch of fanatics yeah. fired by this radicalism will obey the rules that all nuclear powers have obeyed. Remember 21 years ago, terrorists took two fully fueled jetliners and flew them into the World Trade Center and killed 3,000 Americans. If they had nuclear weapons then, they would use it. Yeah. You cannot arm this fanaticism with nuclear weapons. The marriage of militant Islam with nuclear weapons is a threat to the entire world. Yeah. Now, if we were yeah. stuck in a situation where, hey, what can we do? We're stuck with it. Let's manage it. It's one thing, but you're not stuck with it. You can stop this. You can stop this now. And the best way to do it is to reject the nuclear deal completely, to put crippling sanctions on Iran, and to reach out to the people of Iran who hate this regime. There's just a woman who was beaten to death. I don't know if you saw this yeah. two or three days yeah. ago because she didn't want to wear a head covering. And so they beat her and put her in the hospital, and she died. They're, Iran is trying to kill Americans on American soil. They yeah. tried to assassinate the former National Security Advisor, John Bolton. A women's rights activist in, in New York was almost killed. And this guy went and stabbed Salman Rushdie, the writer, 15 times. Yeah. And the Iranians are not embarrassed by that. They're glorifying it. They're celebrating that this is happening. America has to have some pride. Come on. America has to have some pride. These are people who lead thousands, tens of thousands, and hundreds of thousands, and millions of people in chants of death to America, death to Israel. In the Bible, it says, I have put before you the blessings and the curse, life, life and death. Choose life. Yes. You must choose yes. life. Reject the nuclear deal with Iran. Stand up against these killers, and we'll create a better future. Come on. Amen. Ron, let me, let, and Sam together, let me close with this. We, you know, you th we, we're talking about the return of the Jewish people making Aliyah to the nation of Israel, a, a prophecy. You know, after Passover, we always say next year in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, it is next year in Jerusalem. Um, we do a lot of things in Israel. We support a lot of projects in Israel. But our main project is standing with, with Karen Hezot. And we do a lot of things with Karen Hezot, Holocaust survivors, feedings, et cetera, et cetera. But the main thing is fulfilling Bible prophecy of Jews returning to the nation of Israel exactly the way God said it. And as Christians, 
instead of being the cause for Jews being pushed out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, into diaspora, now we're fulfilling where the Bible says Christians will bring them in their arms and on their shoulders back. How important is this, not just because it's in Bible prophecy, but for the Jewish people to see, to stand with Karen Hazel, to partner with fulfilling Bible prophecy, and to see the Jewish people return to their land. What does that mean to the Jewish people in Israel? Well, look, we, we were a stateless, powerlessness, um, powerless people for 2,000 years. Wow. You know, we're a very old people, 3,800 years. We've enjoyed three periods of sovereignty. The first you can read about in your Bible, the day Joshua crossed the Jordan. Amen. And it went through the judges of Israel and the kings of Israel, King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and then the kingdom split apart. And the northern kingdom was destroyed and 10 tribes were exiled from the land. And then eventually the southern kingdom was destroyed in 586. So we had about 700 years of Jewish sovereignty. Then we had to wait four centuries for the restoration of Jewish sovereignty. And that happened uh, in the second century when the Greeks tried to basically destroy Judaism. And there was a father uh, and five sons who stood against them called the Maccabees. Uh, and they led a revolt against Hellenism. And because of that revolt, we turned the tide and we reestablished our sovereignty in the land. And without the Maccabees, there'd be no Christianity right. because Judaism right. would have been wiped out. That's right. That was in the second century. And that lasted for only 100 years. And then Pompey, before he did his miniseries on HBO, he came in <laughs> and he, he placed the garrison of the Romans in Jerusalem. And basically, we became a vassal of Rome. We revolted in right year 66, and that was put down, and the second temple was destroyed. But we had 700 years of sovereignty. Then we had another 100 under the Maccabees. Then we had to wait 2,000 years for the restoration of Jewish sovereignty. That means, Pastor, 100 generations dreamed wow. to live at a time when there would be a sovereign Jewish state. Wow. Now, we are one... And I see in this church there are people from the first, second, third, fourth generation. That's it. Three or four generations that lived at a time when there would be a sovereign Jewish state. Amen. And we have seen not just the restoration of Jewish sovereignty. We have seen the return of the exiles, as you said, from all the world. Ezekiel, the dry bones coming back to life. You Amen. see it when the Jews came literally like dry bones from the killing fields of Europe after the Holocaust and came to Israel. You saw it when the Jews left the Middle East and North Africa, when they were kicked out essentially by the Arab states after Israel's establishment. You saw it when we airlifted Ethiopian Jews. You know, and this is, bothers me almost anything else, Pastor, than the charge of apartheid against Israel. Mm. Israel is the only country in the history of the world, and I want you to remember this and I want you to tell your children, we are the only country in the history of the world who took blacks out of Africa to freedom. Yes. When we on. took our Ethiopian wow. Jewish and brothers. Wow. Wow. Brothers and sisters. Wow. So we took in the Jews of Ethiopia from the time of King Solomon and, uh, and Queen Sheba. And then when the Iron wow. Curtain fell, a million Jews came from the former Soviet Union. So you talk about biblical prophecy. It's pretty hard not to believe in the biblical prophecy when you see what has happened in the last 70 yeah. years. Israel, when Israel was established, only 5% of the world's Jews lived in Israel. Today, 43% of the world's Jews 
live in the state of Israel. It is the largest Jewish community in the world for the first time in 1,800 years. Wow. That's today in Israel. So we have seen this comeback. Now, a hundred generations dreamed of it. Four generations have actually seen it with their own eyes. And they have had the privilege of living this dream. And with that privilege, Pastor, in my mind comes an enormous responsibility. And that is to secure that dream for the future. And that is not a responsibility that falls on the shoulders of prime ministers or ambassadors. It really falls on the shoulders of each and every one of you. Yes. And what you're yes. doing in supporting Karen Yisod, you are actually a partner in securing our future. Amen. And that's why I am Amen. so grateful to all of you for what you are doing because you are part of this historic miracle. And, and people who want to look at it in secular terms and see that the Jews just defied every law in history and for some reason were the only people who were succeeded in doing it, I guess they can believe what they want to believe. But I believe something else. I believe that this, this return to Israel is a new chapter yes. in human history. And yes. I think you are playing a critical part in making this dream come true and continue to come true. So thank you all for what you have done and will do for the state of Israel. Sam, how important is it we support Karen Hazelton? It's crucial. As the ambassador mentioned, and it, it's hard to say anything after the ambassador speaks. So I'm, I just... I just want to put a big exclamation mark on it and say, as the ambassador mentioned, after 1,800 years of the history between Christians and Jews, now going to friendship and from friendship progressing to partnership. That's exactly what we see that we've been doing together for the last few years, but especially in the last two years or so, as our relationship has gotten closer and closer between New Beginnings Church, Karen Aisod, what we've been doing together with Aliyah and all of the other projects. It's crucial for the relationship. You are literally taking part. We always, always say fulfilling Bible prophecy is not a spectator sport. Right. And you are all taking an active part, just like with Queen Esther and that, uh, a, a, a moment such as this. You're all, we know that the salvation is going to come with or without every single one of us, but we may as well take full advantage of the position that Absolutely. God has put each and every one of us in and be an active part, and that's what we're all doing together. So I, again, I want to thank all of you, and start with you, Pastor, La Pastor Larry, Pastor Tiz, all of you here, everyone watching, for all of your partnership, help, and support for Karen Isod and for Israel. Amen. Amen. I want to... Please, please. One, one thing I never do is I never give Sammy the last word. <laughs> so I want to say just, I ask, because you're already supporting Karen Isod. Two things, my request. The first is I want you to strengthen your identity as Christians. Now, that may seem strange, keeping yeah, from absolutely. an Orthodox Jewish ambassador. I'll tell you why. Because the stronger you are in your faith, the more connected you will be to wow. Israel. Wow. And make sure that the next generation of Christians is as strong in their faith as you are in yours. Because that's a challenge with the younger generation, to bring them to church, to make them understand, to give them the facts about what's happening, to teach them from the Bible. So one is strengthening your Christian identity. And the second thing, there's only one thing better than standing with Israel, standing in Israel. Yes. So I hope that, Pastor, next time... In May, I think. We'll be in May, right? Yeah. May. So I don't know. I saw some hands go up. About 20% of the people here have been to Israel. But when an Israeli ambassador, even a former one, comes and tells you you got to do something, it's not quite up from above, but it's close. We're like, <laughs> we're, a, we're a local call. We're a local call. Yeah. I hope to see all of you 
in Jerusalem with Pastor Larry on his next visit to Israel. Next May, next May. I want to close. I want to close with with this. Uh, I'm going to tell a story, and actually, what I'm doing is really bragging, but I'm I'm hiding it behind a story. Um, the first Karen Hazelt conference that I went to in Jerusalem, we were invited. Scotty and I were there. We were invited by you guys. And this was during the time in which uh, ISIS was really stirring things up. And so we got there and they said, unfortunately, Prime Minister Netanyahu won't be able to come. I mean, it was a lot of stuff going on. And so everybody was disappointed. But then all of a sudden, like 100 Secret Service guys come in. They rope off this area and they're all standing there looking very scary. And uh, in walks Prime Minister Netanyahu. And... Um, uh, he gets up and says a little bit of something, then he comes and sits at the table. And uh, all these people, all the donors from Karen Hazelt are there, and they're reaching over with their cameras, trying to take a picture of him and stuff. And all of a sudden, the crowd parts. And we're, we're sitting back you know, at the table uh, with Shirley America and Patrick and them. And uh, this lady walks up, and she says, Pastor Larry, the prime minister would like to say hi to you. And I'd like to say that I just come up, but I... I sauntered a little bit. <laughs> and you'll appreciate this, Ambassador. Um, he, we walked up, and I was the only one that he called up. And I was, he, he, he's always been so friendly and so kind. And he says, Pastor Larry, he says, uh, uh, I watch your program as often as I can on television. And his wife goes, Pastor, I watch you every day. <laughs> and and uh, he says, let's take a picture. And so without thinking, look, I put, here's all these Secret Service guys. Here's uh, the you know, security. I got my arm around the <laughs> I don't know if it's showing there, but I put my, and, and one of the pictures we have, he's got this smile like only Pastor Larry would put his arm around my, my neck. But sometime after that, we were with Josh Reinstein, and they asked me, Israel asked me to come in and speak to members of, of uh, parliament from around the world. They're talking politics. I come in and talk to them about the Bible. Why the Bible? What does the Bible say about standing with the nation of Israel? And the Bible's very, very direct on this. You can't hide it. And so the last meeting we had was with the prime minister. And there's like 50 people and prime minister asking a question. And one guy was asking some very, uh, he's been very rude about the settlements and about Judea and Samaria, which the world calls the West Bank. God calls it Judea and Samaria, correct? And you could tell prime minister was getting a little you know, the guy wouldn't let it go. And he kept asking me, he's being very gracious. And you could tell he's getting a little, you know, as I was, you know. And so Josh is sitting there with him and he goes, you asked the last question. And I go, he's already in a bad mood. I don't want to ask you anything. And so Josh goes, we only have one religious leader in the room. Pastor Larry, you asked the last question. And uh, I said, Mr. Prime Minister, I said, every time we find something at the Temple Mound, they say it's fake. They said, oh, it's, it's, it's not real, it's this. And then I said, just recently, we found the pilgrimage road. Yes. Yes. You can't fake that. And, you know, being that next Sunday, we, start, we celebrate Rosh Hashanah with the apples and honey, and then we have uh, Shabbat Teshuvah, and then we have Yom Kippur, and we have Sukkot coming up, Feast of Tabernacles. And so I said, how important is it that we have discovered the pilgrimage road? And 
the prime minister, Ron, teared up. And he told us a story about his father and, and, uh, and which, you know, his brother who was, who was killed at the raid in Entebbe, correct, was named after John Patterson. Mm -hmm. John Patterson was BB's prime minister and now his uh, father's friend. And he said, someday, Jews and Christians will hand in hand walk up this road and welcome the Messiah. And leave us with one word of, there it is, right? That's only part of it. You're only seeing part of it. Hasn't been found for two thousand. You can't, you can't say that. I, I said this in Israel. You can't say it's counterfeit, but they are saying it's counterfeit. How, how moving is it to see, give you the last road, Mr. Ambassador. How moving is it to see Jews and Christians getting ready to welcome the Messiah someday, whether, you know, we, we were joking in the back, when he comes, I'll ask, I've been there 39 times now, and I'll say, have you been here before, or can I show you around? <laughs> How moving is it to you personally, to the nation of Israel, to see us? To, well, just to see the change in the trajectory of our relations, and to see uh, people of faith standing together, Amen. Uh, because what connects us is so much more important uh, than anything that any theological dispute that could divide us because you live in a world where an increasing number of people no either no longer believe in a right and wrong or basically think that any they think might is wrong which is not true right they think justice and power are like buckets in the well right it's not true no right is right and might is might that's right and you live in a world that has so little moral clarity which means the forces that are fighting for moral clarity have to stand together. And that's Jews and it's Christians. And it's also many devout Muslims who are in danger from these fanatics yes, like yes, ISIS and others. Yes. And we have to build a community of faith. There are people who think that peace will be achieved when traditional values are pushed aside and the world becomes secular. I do not agree. I think peace will be achieved when the people of faith get together. Yes. When Abraham... You know, in the Bible, Isaac and Ishmael are fighting, and there's this fight between them the whole time. Right. They reconcile at Abraham's funeral. That's when they come together. They we shouldn't have to wait. They reconcile. They reconcile. Yes. We should not have to wait for funerals to reconcile. We should be able to reconcile. All the children of Abraham should reconcile, and perhaps that will be the harbinger of the coming of the Messiah. Amen. Give Ron and Sam a great big hand. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Before we go, um, how many folks do we have here from the Jewish community? Would you raise your hand and let us... Thank you so much for coming. We will have... For, for you and, and some of our other friends, we're going to have a reception in the back. Our ushers and greeters will show you how to, uh, how to get there. I want Yes, come please. Give them a great big hand once again. What an honor. What an honor. What an honor. And we're, we're going to the Dallas football game today. Because of, because of Marvin and your great generosity of getting us tickets, we have no faith that we're going to win, but we're going anyway. You never know. You never know.
Uh, I want to acknowledge where are our friends from Christ for the Nation? Where are they? Thank you for coming. They have a conference. They have a conference coming up, and Wannerson's going to talk about it next week. We are we're going to meet together in the back here, and we're looking to putting a uh, uh, what would you call it? A group. We're, we're looking at reaching out to pastors and bringing pastors and churches together to stand with the nation of Israel. Um, in about a year from now, we're going we're working on it right now. We're going to do a conference. Uh, just a few weeks ago, after I was in Israel, I went to Brazil and Pastor Hernandez and uh, Apostle uh, Sonia from. Um, San Pablo, we, they did a march. Five million Christians, literally five million Christians. And I'm saying this, most of you know this, our Jewish, our Jewish friends. And they asked me to come down and lead five million people to pray for the nation of Israel. And so five million, we stopped. And this is not, this is not uh, pastor counting. You know, pastor counts, pastors count 10, 20, 80, 150. Yeah, we had about 80,000 there. This is 5 million real people and stood together, held hands, and prayed for the nation of Israel. So in about a year, we're going to work on putting a, 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 a conference together. We're going to do a march to stand Jews and Christians standing together, all, all religious things aside, standing for the nation of Israel, and let's stand to defeat anti-Semitism around the world. How many believe that's a great idea? Amen. Thank you for so coming. Don't forget to keep Tiz in prayer. We, I love you, baby. God bless you. You're, uh, you're, you are more than a conqueror. Amen.